The long-awaited news involving Tyree Kill and possible disciplinary action from the NFL was issued on Friday, and the outcome? No suspension. Chiefs beat writer Brooke Pryor joins me from the road, and we chat about her reaction to the news and what it means to the Chiefs, who open training camp next Tuesday. Later, reporter Laura Bauer and sports columnist Vahe Gregorian and Sam Mellinger take us through the Tyree Kill drama that started in March and give us their idea about what it all means. This is Sports Beat KC, the sports podcast presented by the Kansas City Star. I'm your host, Blair Kirkhoff. Chiefs beat writer Brooke Pryor joins us. Uh, Brooke is on the road working her way back toward Kansas City, but that doesn't stop the news. And and news broke Friday morning. We're talking to Brooke um, just a couple hours after learning that the NFL will not suspend wide receiver Tyreek Hill. Um, Brooke, I don't know if this is what we thought the outcome would be throughout the process, but I think the tone started to change a little bit um, the, the further along we got. What, what was your reaction when you when you heard about this? Yeah, I mean, I think that there are a couple of surprising things here. Um, one is that this news did not come at 5 o'clock on Friday. Right. Um, we kind of had an idea that it would be coming today. That's what I had been told. Um, that's just kind of the way that things were trending with training camp starting next week. It was expected that this would be wrapped up before Chiefs, before the vets reported to training camp. And that is expected. That will happen on July 26th. But I, I think it's surprising that it came out early in the day. It's also, you know, you look at when all of this started to come out um, early March is when we first reported it, when police reports were filed uh, at Hill's address in Overland Park. And then the edited audio was put on by KCTV uh, on April 25th. That really set a tone for this investigation that it seemed like he was going to be facing a pretty serious suspension. But as more information came out and the entire 11 minute audio played, which the NFL has had for some time, uh, they've listened to the full thing. There was also, you know, other investigative materials that they went over. It seemed like things in the last couple weeks have really been trending in favor of Tyreek Hill, um, especially after his eight hour meeting with NFL investigators in Kansas City um, from people that I talked to. That meeting went really well for Hill. And then at the end of all of this, you know, the NFL determines no suspension. They can't find that he violated the league's personal conduct policy. I was a little surprised that he wasn't suspended even just one game for the threatening comments that were made toward Crystal Espinal in that recording where he said, you need to be scared of me too, dumb bitch. That to me would be enough uh, in the way that Roger Goodell has suspended people in the past. I thought maybe Goodell would take those words and apply a punishment for that. Um, but he didn't. He showed restraint in the punishment that he ultimately determined. And now Hill is free to return to camp. The Chiefs have put out in a statement that they welcome him uh, back, and, and he's expected to be there on July 26th. And uh, Tyreek Hill put out a statement as well uh, that I saw on social media. What did what did Hill's uh, statement say? You know, he did, and I'm pulling that up right now, so that way I— don't misquote it. He says 
that uh, the last few months have been very difficult for him, especially as a father. Uh, He said the false allegations originally reported in March were highly publicized and involved the care of my son. I am grateful for so many things and grateful for so many people who have supported me during this challenging time. I fully respect and accept the NFL's decision. And he goes on to thank the Kansas City community, the NFLPA, the Chiefs, everyone for supporting him. And then he ends it by saying, To my children, my beautiful children, I love you all dearly, and I promise you all that I will continue to strive to be the best father, the best friend, and the best role model, and the best mentor that I can be. I love you all. And so that was that's the first time that we've heard from Hill himself since uh, he was uh, suspended. Well, he wasn't officially suspended from the team. He was barred from team activities back in April. Yeah, you're right. That uh, now that you mention it, I it's the first. Kind of, there there were some uh, tweets from Hill about uh, maybe a week or so ago about uh, him working out, and uh, so that was and that was the first time I think we'd heard anything from from Hill, and it was like mm-hmm. I said through 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 social media. So so what do you let's let's switch gears quickly and talk about what this means for the Chiefs. Uh, they they went through you know all the off season activities the uh, you know the mini camp and the uh, OTAs with, without Tyreek Hill he's a veteran so mm-hmm. um, it, it's not like and it's not like they're they're running a new offense uh, unlike the other side of the ball I, I suppose you know if if anybody could afford to miss the the workouts it is it is a veteran like Tyreek Hill but. Now, you know, you and I and everybody else who covers the Chiefs are kind of studying the wide receiver position and wondering what would happen if if Hill was not available for any amount of time. Um, that is no longer the case. Hill is available immediately, and and we have to look at the wide receiver position and, and, and kind of bump everybody down a notch, don't we? I mean, um, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, we have Sammy Watkins and Demarcus Robinson – uh, Gary Dieter, you know the, the the list of like returning talent is is there, and uh, but I, I think now we have a maybe a competition for for that sixth spot or you know, however many wide receivers the Chiefs you know plan on keeping. There's there's a competition for that last one. Yeah, absolutely. I pulled up the 53 man roster projection that we worked on last week. And right now we have Cody Thompson as the last wide receiver to make it the undrafted free agent who signed after this year's draft. He's the last one to make it. And then right after him um, is Byron Pringle, who I have as the fifth wide receiver. Um, I think that Tyreek Hill definitely bumps Cody Thompson off the depth chart. And then it just depends how many wide receivers the chiefs feel like they need to keep around. Uh, Byron Pringle is someone that they've mentioned for quite a while um, this offseason as being really impressive. They really liked him before he was hurt last year in the preseason. So I think, you know, if the Chiefs take six wide receivers, he'll still make the team. But there could be a little bit of competition there down the depth chart um, between guys like Garrett Dieter, Byron Pringle, Cody Thompson. You know, maybe he maybe he's really impressive in many in, in camp and bumps Byron Pringle. You know, who, who knows? But I think definitely. um Tyreek Hill does change kind of some of the the makeup of the end of that wide receiver depth chart, and it's going to be between Byron Pringle, Cody Thompson for that last spot. Although I, I tend to think that Byron Pringle has 
a lead on Thompson to make the team. Yeah, there have been indications from uh, from Chiefs, coaches, and administrators that they like both of them. They've both been – Pringle and Thompson were complimented throughout the the OTAs. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll have to see how, how that unfolds. You know, I think that the, the, these off-season projections uh, and odds about – you know NFL team success. The Chiefs are really are very highly regarded. Um, some some say a Super Bowl team. You know, and and I, to what extent these evaluations were made with with Hill's possible suspension in mind, I, I don't know. But I do think maybe the as as training camp approaches, and as you mentioned, for the veterans, it starts late next week. That we'll see a new batch of of uh, prognostications about the Chiefs and and their place in the NFL. I think this will only you know fortify those who believe the Chiefs are Super Bowl contenders, and for maybe those who are wondering what you know maybe projecting a weakness at that position without Hill, that's no longer there. So we're talking about Chiefs at full strength from the get go, and uh, and I, I think for. You know, for those looking to to make those types of predictions, this uh, th- this only you know raises the confidence level for them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that that was kind of the biggest question mark going into this season was how long would would he'll be available for how much of the season would he be available? Um, obviously, the defense is in this makeover phase, and that's going to take some time to come together, but. I think the one of the biggest immediate impacts would be how would the Chiefs be able to start the season with or without Hill? Um, now that's cleared up, and I think now their path to a Super Bowl has been considerably cleared, bolstered, however you want to put it. But I think that for people who were already projecting that the Chiefs can make a strong Super Bowl run, this only reinforces that idea. Um, I don't think it means that the Chiefs go undefeated by any means because that defense is still a work in progress. But I think for the conversations that we've had about how will Mahomes do this season and his second full season as a starter, um, you know, what will his numbers look like? Will his numbers regress a lot? Now I think that his numbers are not going to take that much of a step back because he'll have Hill at his disposal the whole season. Obviously, you know, injuries, things like that come up and it can happen to any part of the offense. But we start out this season looking for this offense to really pick right up where it left off last season. Yeah, you know, look, the uh, the Hill had a record-setting season. Travis Kelsey had a record-setting season. There's the issue of his foot. That'll be one of the early training camp stories is, uh, is, is Kelsey's health. Um, we've heard nothing but positive reviews about it. But um, but you're right. This this is uh, – I think it would be hard to – to, to project another 50-touchdown, 5,000-yard passing season from Patrick Mahomes. Uh, but but I do think without Hill for two, four, six, whatever games we, we thought might have, you know, might, might be the length of the suspension, I think everybody I talked to believed that it would, you know, that would impact Mahomes' numbers. Now there's nothing to impact Mahomes' numbers except for a more, you know, he's he's more familiar to the NFL. The defenses right. are more familiar with him, and, um, and and so maybe that's the only factor that to, to consider here. But look, I expect huge seasons from from Hill, from Kelsey, from Mahomes. They are top three at their positions at the NFL, maybe top two, and you could argue the best at their positions at the NFL. It's an advantage that the Chiefs have that not many NFL teams do have. So. 
All right, Brooke. Hey, thanks for joining us, and we will see you next week in St. Joseph, Missouri. Absolutely. Can't wait. Sportsbeat KC will return with reporter Laura Bauer, who has covered much of the Tyreek Hill story, and sports columnist Vahe Gregorian and Sam Mellinger after this word about a new podcast from McClatchy Studios. The state of mind that racing would put me in was sort of a... I put my own team together and ended up going to Indianapolis 500. It will be quite a feather in Randy Lanier's cap. He is named Rookie of the Year. I had plenty of sponsorship coming right from Columbia. (laughs) By the early 80s, a river of pot was flowing from Columbia to the United States. And it came in by the barge load, thanks to a drug kingpin who was hiding in plain sight. I missed a race because I was bringing a load in. It was 135,000 pounds. How much was that worth? 44 million bucks. <laughs> I'm Amy Driscoll. And I'm Alex Harris. This summer, the Miami Herald and McClatchy Studios take you inside the story of Randy Lanier. Uh, uh, oh, the most exciting race I've ever seen. A tale of weed. There was two guys always there. That was the FBI. Speed. Randy Lanier against the wall. Really? And the road ahead. Everybody changes. Everything changes. Smoked. Coming July 16th on Apple Podcasts and MiamiHerald.com slash smoked. We just heard from Brooke Pryor, who was on the road, and she was telling us about what the Tyreek Hill um, uh, news of the day means to the Chiefs and, uh, and as the Chiefs go forward with training camp starting next week. We now have in studio uh, reporter Laura Bauer and columnist Vahe Gregorian and Sam Mellinger. And Laura, I wanted to, I wanted to start with you. Uh, you've been reporting this story from – from, from the outset. And the story, the Tyreek Hill story uh, took a lot of turns. Hmm. Um, and it took a lot of turns really without hearing from either Tyreek Hill or Crystal hmm. Espinall. But uh, let's, let's, let's go back to when the news broke. And the, it broke with the police reports, right? To um, right. police called to Tyreek Hill's house. What was Let's go, let's just go back and, and reset the stage there and tell us what happened. Well, and it's been a long five months, so I think it is good bet to go back to the beginning and how this all unfolded. And you know, elephant in the room, we've been criticized, we've been um, questioned about how we've covered this story on the news side. And I've been doing this 27 years, and we covered this like we cover every news story. It is it unfolded how it should have unfolded. And we did, I will stand behind it 100% uh, of what the news side and sports side has done on this and the whole star, really. And so early on, we were hearing inklings, and a couple of us on the news side uh, began helping out Brooke Pryor, who's done a very good job with the story. And one thing that we did, and I have a background in child welfare, so I knew what was going on as far as the child abuse, and then Steve Bachrach came in and helped on the record side. And first it was, hey, there's been a couple of police reports out at uh, Tyreek Hill's house. We get the police reports. We start to build information on that. And we knew that they were under investigation. Now, under investigation means there were reports at the house and they have to investigate that. That is simply what that means. That's what we began writing about. I believe it was March 15th. The two reports were one, the first one on March 5th, the second one on March 14th. Um, We reported what those were. We got the reports. We went from there. Then on April 24th, we heard early on from Steve Howe, uh, Johnson County District Attorney, that he would be having a news 
conference that day. That day was a little different for me as a journalist. Um, I've covered um, child welfare stories and child abuse stories for many years, and many cases are never charged because it's a he said, she said, the little child is too old to talk, to tell what happens, the bruises go away. There are no witnesses. No witnesses, and so... I was going to do a project a few years ago about how few child abuse cases are charged because of that purpose. doesn't mean it didn't happen. It just means it's very hard to investigate and prove. So I stayed here that day while the reporters went out to Johnson County, and it was very unusual to see a prosecutor stand up there and with frustration visibly and in his body language and in his voice and say, we believe a crime has been committed here. We just don't have the evidence to prove who did it. We covered that. We said, you know, what is going on? And then the case, 24 hours later? Yeah, the, the next the next day, the next which, day. Was a, which was a Friday, as I recall. The how, or was, yes. it, was it Wednesday, Thursday, or Thursday, Friday? It was Wednesday, Thursday, Wednesday, I think. Thursday. Uh, okay. Wednesday, Wednesday so, Thursday. So on Thursday. Yeah. And then, um, oh, I think it was maybe three or four um, that you started hearing on Twitter that there would be a, uh, a recording of a conversation between Crystal, Crystal Espinal and Tyreek Hill. And then I believe we heard a little bit at five or six, and it was what others have described as disturbing uh, recording. And it kind of took it this case on a very, very different turn that we heard things that we didn't know before. And we, I think it is important to note that the star never had any of those recordings, never had the partial snippets, never had the full recording of that tape whatsoever. We were in a rare position of we were only reporting what the news was reporting. And, and one we news did station that. was reporting. One news station it was reporting. And, and we, we did that after every um, broadcast we did that and one of the really interesting uh, parts of this whole story for me as a reporter was the next night it was Friday it was around six o'clock I think Vahe and I communicated after that we were listening to the broadcast don't hold me to this but it was either the second or the third broadcast of the tapes because what they did is they fanned them out and they did them periodically and said, oh, we're going to have more, and we're going to have more. And so it was around 6 o'clock, and Judy Thomas and I were helping Brooke that day on just seeing the news of the day and what was going on. And it was the first time, and like I said, it was the second or third, if not even the fourth, broadcast on the tape. And you heard Tyreek saying, I never would hurt my son. You know that I never would hurt a child. For us, that was like, whoa, <laughs> why wasn't that included in the first one? Why wasn't that included earlier? That was the first time we were like, okay, you know, and our immediate reaction is we're not concerned about the new snippets that were in the other part of the recording. We're concerned about get up quickly that he defended himself in our news story. Again, it's the way we cover the news. It's the way we cover all of these stories. We did nothing different in this case. But this one just kept taking turns. And, you know, readers and, and viewers started to, you know, question, well, it's, it's you're jumping to conclusions. Well, investigations, that's how they go. You know, you, you cover it. He's a public figure. That is how it, it is always done. And But it still continued. You know, we tried to, it was, 
it was hours after that that Andy Reid on that Friday said in a uh, news briefing or whatever press conference press conference that the case had been reopened. We tried to get information from Steve Howe. Um, he would not go on the record and say that and said, I'm not saying anything at this time or something to that effect. And so we put it that Andy Reid said it had been reopened. It was, what, a couple months? Seven, seven weeks to seven the day, weeks. I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> seven weeks that we, uh, it was on a, it was another Thursday and into Friday where I thought, well, I'm just going to email how again and say, where is the investigation? Because something had just happened, something new, and we were trying to figure out, well, where is the investigation? Trying to figure out. Something had happened. I can't remember what it was. Something had had it. um, It wasn't really a turn so much as just a a suggestion. You're not talking about the letter to the NFL by the Tyreek's lawyer. Uh, it was a little after that, I think, that. actually. Okay. There, but there was something when I thought, oh, well, let's just see what, what how has to say and where the investigation is. And um, shot him an email on a Thursday, and this was in June, and it was that night he said everything from the press conference stands. Well, then I shoot him another email back and say, well, I don't even understand what that means. You said many things. What does that mean? <laughs> and um, the next morning he sends one very early and says it is no longer an active investigation. And, you know, we report that. We, along the way, you know, and, and I've gone back because, you know, I, I'm sure people don't understand this and understand our process. I've gone back every story, every news article, everything that we have done, and it has been covering the news. And I just feel very strongly about that. And in that is what we did. We had no clue that it was not an, an active investigation. And then there's even been some things that's happened since then. So along the way, you know, you just cover it. And, you know, in, in today's news, I mean, we knew that there was an investigation. And at the end of that investigation, that they would come up with a conclusion and they would come up with their final ruling. Um, what was interesting to me is they were not able to get information from DCF or um, the prosecutor's office. Their information came based on interviews that the NFL had themselves. I asked how today, you know, um, he wouldn't give out information, you know, what was his feeling about this ruling, and he said they would have no further comment about anything. And DCF cannot say anything. And what's so hard, you know, I, I read on Twitter recently that um, there was a criticism, you know, oh, there's an, even an investigative reporter and in the investigation of this is what fell short. It's very hard to ever have an investigation into child abuse because you don't have, and, and you don't do that unless there's a horrible tragedy of a child where the records allow them to be open. You cannot get the records. All you can do is cover what you have in the in the updated things, which is what we did. So I feel, like I said, I'm, a, I'm a beating the drum, but I do feel strongly for what we did. And what this means is that the NFL, based on what they had, feels like no suspension was warranted. And they also, you know, said if new information came up. It's very interesting, um, almost the exact same thing that Steve Howe said. You know, don't have the evidence, but it, the door is left open. And one thing and, and that I went back to, and it, that was so unusual for what Howe did that day. I went back and read his press release today. And, and this was not even when he's being interviewed by people. This is what he released. The statement. The statement. 
and it is we are deeply troubled by this situation and are concerned about the health and welfare of the child in question. We believe that a crime has occurred. However, the evidence in this case does not conclusively establish who committed the crime against the child. That is what we reported. That is what the investigation was about. And today was the NFL's decision based on that. Right. We have, we've talked about this story for on a daily basis for five months because that's you know, mm-hmm. how long the story's been with us and how foremost it is. In fact, you know, we've been doing this podcast for about the same amount of time. And we've devoted probably more time to this topic than, than anything else. So um, but I, I maintain that um, I, something I mentioned before that until Tyreek Hill's attorney, you know, released the, the letter to the, to the NFL, released it publicly and said it was going to the NFL, um, the, the sentiment was anti-Tyreek Hill. It was, uh, it was oh my gosh, what, what could, you know, how could they have done this? And, and I think that the, uh, the, the narrative began to change with, the, with, with that letter and, uh, and, and made public. So, um, and, and ever since then, it was a, it's been a matter of uh, what, what the, whole, the whole time, because we had so little information, it was, it was about who do you believe, right? Who, who do you believe hurt the son? And, and I'm not sure um, at the end, nobody, that, we don't have a conclusion there, right? We, we, don't, we don't know that. And since the NFL doesn't know that, there, there, are, there are no games. I am surprised that in, in the, um, you know, it would have seemed that in the in the audio uh, that the personal conduct policy was violated, but um, and, and others have been suspended for violating that that conduct policy, but not the case here. And the NFL has um, so the NFL has ruled. So we have this rare opportunity um, in our podcast to talk to uh, our columnists Sam and Vahe as they are forming the idea for their columns that are going to be out in the, um, on, online later today and uh, in, in, in the print editions uh, very soon. So I want to know what you guys are thinking. And how do you, how do you begin to frame it? And what, what's, what are you going to say? Let me, uh, first, if you don't mind, jump in on one point I want to amplify, a couple points I want to amplify that, that Laura made. First of all, I, and I wouldn't want her to say this, but I think we can say that uh, Laura's reporting, Steve's reporting, Brooks' reporting has all been impeccable, demonstrably impeccable and diligent. And part of that leads us back to one of the statements we were left with by Steve Howe that shows up again today, actually pretty explicitly in the NFL statement, which acknowledges the child's injuries. That's the term that's used in the NFL statement, the child's injuries, but that they don't know enough about how it happened. So I think from this, we can understand why this has remained contested in the court of public opinion and why it also might be surmised that this is, is not exactly an exoneration. They don't know enough, so they're moving on. Well, That's, and one thing that everyone agrees on is this little boy was hurt. Yeah, That's child's injuries. Little yeah. boy is hurt. It takes up right from Steve Howe. So to, to your point, Blair, I mean, I, I think what I'm trying to develop is a, uh, a, a column about the, the the battle of perception that's going to linger over this and we're certainly going to see a lot of Chiefs fans who feel that the right thing has happened we're going to see a lot of reaction that says uh, around the league that the wrong thing has happened in between is going to be the dilemma for Chiefs fans that they've been facing I think um, since Tyreek was drafted and has been sort of reopened how do you reconcile his past 
plea with this latest development lingering over that was not exactly exonerated? And what are we supposed to look for in the future? And also the, the question of if one more thing happens with anybody pertaining to the chiefs who've since brought Frank Clark in, we're still less than seven years removed from Javon Belcher, how that's going to frame this. So that's sort of a mouthful. I think I'll be more disciplined in how I put it together in typed form, but uh, I wouldn't count on it. Well, let me, before, you, before you respond, Sam, let me give you the results of a, a current result of a poll that the Star is conducting right now. In the, uh, so go to KansasCity.com and, and vote. The, the Ty Hill polled. And the question is, do you agree with the NFL's decision not to suspend Tyreek Hill? Uh, 1,500, uh, almost 1,600 votes at this point at, um, you know, about quarter to three on on Friday. And 70% say yes, they agree with the NFL's decision not to suspend Tyreek Hill. 19% no and 11% unsure. So that's where the perception, at least for those who care enough to you know, click on to the site and and uh, and vote in the poll. Uh, that's where their sentiment sentiment is. It is right interesting. Now. What say you, Sam? Well, uh, before I get to that, um, that's the poll on KansasCity.com. <laughs> right. Right. I, this there, can there's we, such can a we, can we judge by the the tone of your question that uh, that those <laughs> who are voting on KansasCity.com have a bit of interest in the Chiefs. Yes. And their success. And, and, and not just that, but I think what's in my head right now, the, the point I'm trying to make is if you put that poll on ESPN.com or whatever, a, a national website, those numbers would be really different. And, and some of that, of course, is um, rooting for the Chiefs, right? Like a lot more Chiefs fans are going to respond to a poll on KansasCity.com than, than a national website. Some of it, too, is that I think nationally um, people heard – those first snippets that Laura was talking about um, terrified me too. That you know that tape, and that was it. You know, and and they checked out. They've got other stuff to do here locally. I think people have followed the story through these. Really, I, this can't be emphasized too much. Like the most bizarre, Laura. You've done a lot more crazy stuff than I have, but like the most bizarre story that I can remember, certainly like here locally, and you know maybe that's just recency bias, but my goodness there have been just so many to the point where a couple months ago from then on I've just been resigned to I'm not gonna be shocked at anything <laughs> you know tomorrow there could be something that says he did it tomorrow there could be something that said he's protected you know whatever like there's just um, it, it's so many twists and turns which gets me to I guess the answer to your question about what I'm thinking of writing is you know in some ways for the last five months right like I thought four but it really has been about five God, I just, you know, let's get to the end. Let's get a resolution. And here we are. It's not the resolution, but it's a resolution. But this isn't the end. This isn't the end of anything. This is the beginning in a lot of ways. Um, and, and not just because the there's other stuff going on with, uh, you know, with the system. But now there's just, there's a new normal, um, a new reality. If we just want to focus in on the Chiefs. And that is, you know, this training camp was always going to be different. You know, if we're just talking about football, this training camp was always going to be different. But before it was going to be different because people were going to come in and be like, holy cow, you got this 23-year-old rocket ship quarterback. Like, he's amazing, huh? Talk about that. And now those questions are going to be a lot different. You know, the new normal is that Tyreek Hill is still just as good at football as he was before, uh, before March 5th. And the Chiefs, before March 5th, wanted to sign him to a very expensive 
contract extension. That's still going to happen. The the numbers are going to be different. The structure probably is going to be different. Um, but they still, I think, want to you know at least not not today. You know, let let some time pass, like Brooke had reported um, earlier today. But there's just my point is like, I feel like in some ways, and maybe this is just me. I don't want to speak for anybody else, but God, it's just like, let's get to the resolution. Then, then we'll have some clarity or whatever. But there's no clarity, and and there's no resolution. This is just you know the beginning of a different form of reality. And, and I think everybody needs to get used to that. We had audio, we, we had incomplete audio, and then we had a more complete version of that audio. And usually when there's video or audio, you feel pretty confident that you've got all the information. You know, yeah. we, with Ray Rice, we, we kind of knew we had everything you needed to know. That was the 30 seconds or whatever. Yes. That's There's nothing else to be said. Nothing, yeah. yes, uh, no, no, other, no room for interpretation there. You knew it, but this is different. It's completely different. And, and one part of it, and what I'm talking about with just how bizarre this all is, is just those snippets are just a snippet of an 11 minute tape. And just that 11 minute tape is a snippet of a bigger reality that that Tyreek and Crystal have sort of created on their own mistakes on both sides and just like the the way relationships work and not just that but there was no doctoring you bring up the Ray Rice there was no doctoring of that elevator tape right like that that happened this was an audio tape where one side knew that it was recorded the other didn't and you know one side is however you want to say it like seem to be trying to get something out of it, right? Like, I mean, there's just, there's so many different, like nothing is as it seems. To, in to this that whole point, story, it was, which, which brings me to something else. Sorry. I, I no, go, out, go. But, yeah. but, but to that point, is that why we think, is it a hunch or whatever we want to call it, that, that the NFL didn't see this as a uh, personal conduct matter because of the nature of where that quote came from? Because that quote is going to stick with me a long time. For because sure. Because of the context of their relationship in the past, and, especially. Yes, and and you're asking like, so is the, the doctor NFL factor not, is you yeah. know the fact that it was. I think we got the same email from an FBI former FBI agent talking to us about the reliability yeah. of such uh-huh. things, and it, I thought it was very interesting. It I, was great. Um, and his point being, and, and his logic would dictate that that you know, this is not a it's not a courtroom discussion. I mean, obviously it's not that, but it's it's illusory. illusory. If that's a, if that's a word, an illusion, an illusion, right? <laughs> By all, yeah, I like it. That's what I meant to say. Um, but right, and that's that's the point of that. Yes. And I, I think and maybe maybe Laura, you could speak to this, or anybody else could speak to this. But somewhere they made a decision that those words don't count for what we perceive them to count for. At least what I perceive them to count for. And certainly not. Uh, I was basing a lot of my speculation on, you know, there there was no case exactly like this but the jimmy smith ravens cornerback last year got four games for violating the personal conduct policy and that was a threat it was it was a threat he didn't didn't hit anyone he, no charges no charges yep. and so that's what i so in the end i thought tyreek hill would get a four game suspension he would appeal they'd knock it down to two and then he his first game would be at the, the home opener in in week three i forget who they play but uh um but no nothing yeah there, there's also an element working here that that and i think this is part of why the chiefs were patient you know there's a lot of stuff there's a lot of other stuff that didn't come out you know what i mean there there was a lot of motivations and and here's one thing that mattered too with the the zero games is uh crystal didn't talk 
right? Yeah. She didn't yeah. talk to the NFL. Um, I'm not saying if she talked, there's a suspension. It depends on what she says. Well, well right? the last oh, time we but, heard from her was the tape. When you think about it, yeah, I mean that's that that was her first and last, last yeah. and only, yeah. yeah that yeah. that was her contribution, yeah, to this, yeah, was, was yep. the tape. And it, just sorry, Laura, but oh. just I mean very quickly, it, it's it would be hard to suspend without her talking. She's the she's the witness, you know, like that. That's why fourteen happened, right? Two thousand fourteen, like because she was she testified on the stand, you know, without that. Without her what, talking what with, with records sealed, with uh, law enforcement not talking to yeah. the NFL. Yeah, what do you yeah. do? Yeah, what do you work do? with her? And one thing that gets me about the tape, in some regards, with the child welfare case, that was m much more damning on her. She said on tape yeah. that she recorded that <laughs> she, she lied to a CPS worker, and that is a big deal. Yeah. That, you know, and so, you know, you're looking at that. That, that whole tape for me. Um, was one of the biggest things and and you know almost three decades doing this is one thing I hadn't seen I hadn't seen um, a television station um, doctor a tape to tell a narrative and yeah. I was one of the That's most well surprised people you know I wouldn't have even second had a second thought that they would have done that when they only had a portion of it and they said it was because of sexually explicit concept context I was like okay I buy that. I trusted him. I get it. And I, we were nervous that Friday when they had held out his uh, defense of himself, but still blown away. I do believe the 11 minutes changed things mm -hmm. for me. Absolutely. And, you know, and you, you hear it and um, his, the whole comment of, you didn't ride for me. I keep going back to that. It had a different meaning when you listen to the whole thing. And that was a big thing. You didn't ride for me in 2014. And I think when people first heard it, it was you didn't lie for me in 2014 and you're not lying for me now. But what they took out is that he had already said he didn't do all of those things. It changed the meaning of that Ooh, one word. Great point. And I really don't think you can look past that. So I do think that today, in one regard, is, is some sort of closure on it. At least we know. But that window is still open, and that's what's just a little weird. Another weird thing about this case, because who knows what comes up. Sam, you mentioned uh, something just a moment ago, and I know you've written it, and I, I find it interesting, is that the chief's behavior in all of this. Yeah. Um, thumbs up, right? I mean, except for the Andy Reid gaffe yes. at, at the Frank Clark you know, press yeah. conference. And and uh, and then he came back a few weeks later and s said, "Look, I can't. You know, whatever. I forgot where. What during one of the OTAs? It was the last. It was the last oh, sign off before. Is that he, what it was? Yeah. And Andy brought it up unbidden. Yeah. Um, yeah. And said, you know, he put his foot in his mouth the last time, and he put Steve Howe in, in a bind. I think was the term he yes. used. Mm -hmm. Other than that, and and that was there was a. There were a lot of bullets flying on that day. And Steve and Howe was free to correct that when Laura contacted him immediately that day, yes. by the way. Good yes. point. Really yes. good point. Yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, maybe Andy can say, and I respect where he's coming from, I put Steve Howe in a bad spot. Steve Howe could have lifted Andy Reid yeah. out of that bad spot, too, and cleared things up pretty pretty quickly. But, yeah, I mean, the, the, the Chiefs, other than that, um, and, you know, I think we can give a pass, um, I don't know what mistake, like how how could they have handled it any better? They when when that tape came out, and again the 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 first doctored as you put it, which I think is a, is a good way to put it, 
the first part of that doctored tape about um, you should be terrified of me too, um, the Chiefs acted that say, like within an hour or two hours. Or I mean, it was it was pretty quickly. Yeah, and um, let me chime in real quick with that, which is that that also shows you the power of that that tape. Yes. <laughs> Think yeah. about that. Yeah. That was what moved the Chiefs. Yep. To effectively, I think it was the term we used, effectively suspend Tyreek. Because yes. they never quite used the word. Yes. But that, that's more testimony to the, 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 the power of something yep. that was... And that was Clark Hunt who, who introduced that. It was Clark Hunt who announced that he wasn't... Because it was during well, the draft, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it was. No, it was the, the statement was first read by Brett Veach after the first day of the draft. And yeah. then the next day, Clark basically read the exact same statement. Right, or maybe they right. did the little... But, uh, importantly... I think it was that day, the second day, is that when he did his group interview there yes. in the PR office? And and he said um, words to the effect of, he's no longer with our franchise, he's no longer with the organization, said that repeatedly. And that was, woo, that, that's as strong as you can get from an owner who <laughs> does not like to say anything of, you know, like he, he plays it really close to the vest. But my point here is like, so, so they did that, had to do it. Um, but even at that point, they didn't have as much information as they have today or as they had when they met for eight hours with the NFL, but they had more information than was public, more information than we had. And, and I think that's part of why they didn't suspend right away or I, I, release right away. Uh, and what else? Look, they, they had some, it's hard to say like a good break in this, but the timing worked in their favor. As opposed to, it's easy to make the comparison. Kareem Hunt happened Friday afternoon, two days, less than 48 hours before a game, immediately kicked off. Now, some of that had to do with, wasn't just the tape, it was that he lied, all that. Uh, so two different situations. But my point is on the, on the timing, they had the benefit of letting this play out. There was no deadline. Tyreek Hill misses an OTA, who cares, right? Like That's not that big of a deal. The deadline was basically training camp, sort of, but more more realistically, September Eighth or ninth or whatever it is against Jacksonville, and like they, they had the they had the, the the benefit of timing. They used it. I, I thought they they handled it again, with the exception of the Andy Reid thing, which isn't that big of a deal in the in the grand scheme. But they handled it as well as you could expect a team to handle. You know, there, there's no textbook for that. There's no precedent. Like, when's the last time that a team went through something like this? Like, they they didn't have that, and I thought they handled it really well. Yeah, I thought we'd be spending uh, this time of year talking about Chris Jones and yeah. the holdout and uh, and he has really uh, been backburnered in, yes. in this in this whole thing but uh, we'll we'll pick up that conversation next week when Chiefs training camp opens uh, the rookies report on on uh, and quarterbacks on Tuesday the veterans including Tyreek Hill will be there later in the week Friday or Saturday I can't remember exactly which day the 26th whatever whatever that day falls. So we'll leave it at that. And look, Laura, Sam, Vahe, thank you so much for stopping by. Great conversation, and we will talk to you guys again soon. Links to the Tyreek Hill stories and columns and all of Chiefs coverage can be found in the show notes on KansasCity.com, the Red Zone app, Facebook.com slash Red Zone, and in the print editions of the Kansas City Star. Thanks to Kathy Liu and Leah Becerra for producing today's episode. This has been Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star sports podcast, and we'll be back soon to talk sports in Kansas City.